What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the In The Round podcast. You got Matt and Boudreaux. What up? And I want to tell you all about some of our good friends, over our new friends over at Trailside CBD Emporium. You've heard us talk about them before. Our boy Andrew and his team will meet all your CBD, hemp, and Delta-8 THC needs from oils and gummies to cartridges and flour. They have you covered. The carts are in stock. The bud is currently on back order. And the edibles, man, they're flat out dangerous. Y'all go check them out at trailsidecbd.com and use the promo code ITR at checkout. That's trailsidecbd.com, promo code ITR, 20% off your purchase. You can also find them at trailsidecbd on Instagram and on Facebook. So, Boudreaux, we got our first live Texas guest today. Yeah. And this is awesome. This was a last-minute thing. We got our boy Chris Colston with us. Colsty, how you doing? What's going on, man? I'm glad to be here, dude. I'm great. Dude, this is my this is our first time hanging with you in Nashville. We usually get to see you when we're on the road out in Texas. Yeah, I know. It's great. I, I've been coming up to Nashville a lot lately. I've been able to see, like, all my buddies, like Muscadine and all those guys from, you know, because I don't get to see them until they come to Texas. Yeah. Right. So it's nice when I actually get to come up here and chill. And it's cool from being from Texas and having friends in a completely different state to make nashville feel like home as well and in a and in a pretty completely different scene something i've noticed coming originally i'm from i'm from new york so i'm not i'm definitely not southern but there's a dip i've noticed there's a difference between texas and nashville yeah in terms in terms of music and you're that perfect crossover yeah which is what's so cool and seeing because there's the cowboys that have crossed over and stuff in a way right but how how has that been for you in here in nashville it's been good um you know my whole goal was you know, I've been playing in Texas for a while, part of the Texas scene with the, the Randy Rogers and the Donahue's and the Josh Abbott's and stuff. And those are the guys that paved the way for us. And um, there's only been a few that have really said, hey, let's let's do something. Let's let's go to Nashville. Let's 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 try to go and do this thing, you know, outside of what we're doing here. And it's been really cool. You know, Pat Green did it and Granger Smith did it. And, it, you know, it worked well for those guys. So I'm I'm excited to be a part of that group. You know, to try to to try to really do something. You know, your live show is a lot of fun. I enjoy. I enjoy. You're <laughs> you're a guy when I when I see that you're you're on the bill with us. It's it's always a fun time. And and your your merch guy is one of my best buds yeah. now. And <laughs> and I've I've become I've become we've become close with your crew and everything. So kind of kind of going back, how'd you get your start with doing this whole music thing? Because I, I know te- obviously country music in Texas is a big yeah. thing. How'd you how'd you get your start coming from? Uh, is it Lindell, Texas? Lindale. Lindale. Yeah. So Lindale is a little small. East Texas town in the northeast part of Texas, close to uh, Louisiana, right in between. It's about an hour and a half in between Dallas and Shreveport, Louisiana, right off I-20. And, uh, man, um, dude, it's kind of a long story, um, but I'm glad we got this time to tell this story. <laughs> yeah, so, you, you tell any story you want. We're here for it. So, basically, when I was when I turned seven, my stepdad was a big drummer. You know, he, he drummed all the time. He drummed, you know, just in the East Texas area and had some opportunities to play with some some rock and roll bands back in the day in the 70s, you know. And and uh, so he has been a part of my life since I was two years old. And when I turned seven, you know, just like a dad wants to play their kid to play baseball or their dad wants to play a kid to play football or something, he wanted me to play drums. So I'm like, cool, let's give it a shot. So I started taking drum lessons when I was seven. And... uh I played drums from I was seven all the way through high school. I was on drumline and all that jazz. And then I was like, I think I was 16 or 17, and my real dad played guitar, and he was teaching me chords and stuff. I was like, I really like this. And then my mom, she was like, you know what? 
let's, I'm going to sign you up for guitar lessons. Let's do guitar lessons. You know, and are you okay with that? I'm like, yeah, I, I love it. I want to try something different, you know? And so I started taking lessons in Mineola, Texas from a guy named John DeFore. And John DeFore taught Casey Musgraves and Miranda Lambert songwriting. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's a little bit old town just north of Lindale, Mineola, Texas. And he, they started coming to him when they were younger as well and teaching songwriting. And, and, uh, so it was one of those things is like, well, hopefully this works out. This could be really, really cool. So I started taking lessons. So then John DeFore figured out, hey, why don't you try to sing one? You know, I was like, well, I've never really sang before. My dad sings, you know. And I sang. He's like, told my mom, he's like, do you know your kid can sing? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and uh, he was like, my mom was like, uh, no, I didn't. So, well, you need to come into a lesson and listen. So she did. So then... There's this thing in Texas that I like this story because not a lot of people, if you're not from Texas, know what this is. So there's a scene in Texas, and it's called the Opry Circuit. And so what the Opry Circuit is, it's buildings, it's like venues that someone individually owns in different cities in Texas. And there's actually a couple outside of Texas. Um, And what it is is an Opry they have a house band. It's usually some, you know, some older people, some old yeah. geezers that have been playing guitar and drums their whole life and want to play music every Saturday night. And basically what it is, it's an opportunity for kids to get on stage for the first time and sing a song in front of an actual crowd to get comfortable with the stage. It's a really, really neat thing. So my mom signed me up for the Gladewater Opry. And it is in the middle of nowhere, Texas, in a little, <laughs> in a little East Texas town. Um, and so basically what you do is you go in on a Saturday, and they have a Saturday night show every, every single Saturday. But during the day before that show, they have auditions for anyone that wants to come and try to sing. Yeah. You pick a song off of a list that the band knows, and the, you, know, you go and you try out and you sing it. And it's literally a lady sitting there, and she, you play and she tells you, yeah, come back on August 13th and you're going to have your first show. And that's a huge deal. You know, when you're 16 years old, you've never done yeah, that right. before. And so I got up there and I think I want to say the first song was In Color by Jamie Johnson. Damn. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. You know, So I get my cowboy hat on and my starch shirt and I go up and I sing this song. The lady's like... He's great. You got to come back. So then you got your first show booked, right? Then the day comes and you invite all your family, all your homies from school. Everybody comes out and there's a tip jar when you play. Dude, I made $200 in $1 bills that night. Nice. And I was the <laughs> mo- I was like that was the moment though. I was like I can make money playing music. I'll never forget. And uh it was the coolest moment so I did the opera circuit for a while and then after that I started my own band when I kind of outgrew the circuit and when it was becoming one of those things okay we need to kind of really start doing this for real and I got out of the opera circuit started a band started touring met some great musicians in Texas and it just kind of took off from there and now I'm here I'm sitting with you guys oh yeah something I want to ask you because obviously somebody who 
a mutual crew and friend that we know is, yeah. is a guy by the name of Co Wetzel, yeah. and he's somebody that I think has kind of reshaped the the Texas scene in a way, and he, he does his thing. How'd you first get to know him and Dre and, and that whole oh, crew? Dude, this is oh, here comes another story. Okay, I'll try to keep this one. <laughs> story time with Chris. Uh, hey, dude, we love it. You, dude, you tell listen, man, songwriters are storytellers. But right. This one you just don't have to make in three minutes. Right. So. Yeah. This <laughs> is a, this is cool because I haven't really told this story to a whole lot of people. So, um. Okay, so, you know, I'm out of the Opry Circuit. I'm playing a gig. All right, so now I'm out of the Opry Circuit. I'm playing gigs. I'm almost out of high school. No, I'm out of high school. I'm out of high school by now. How old are you right now, by the way? I'm 24. Okay, cool. Nice. Yeah, I'm 24 now. So I'm out of high school. Um, Let's see, I'm 19. And so my parents are like, okay, if you're going to do music, you don't have to go to college. We're not going to force that upon you. But if you're going to do this... That's really awesome. Yeah. Oh, dude, if you don't... I, I do not know what I would do without my parents' support. Because, you know, some musicians don't have that. Yeah. You know? Um, they're like, if you're going to do this, you're going to do it. And you're not going to, quote-unquote, half-ass it. You're going to go hard, and you're going to make something of yourself. I'm like, all right, let's... Then I'm in. Don't have to go to college. School's not my thing. So I'm stoked. And so I'm trying to make money doing gigs and so i get this residency at this place in tyler texas and it's called republic ice house and it's right across the street from the university of texas at tyler and they book me to host an open mic every tuesday night for 200 bucks so dude i'm making 200 every tuesday so you know you do the math tuesdays dude i do <laughs> you know what i mean for the month 800 bucks dude at this point I, you know i'm living on my own stuff I mean, like that's that. at least rent dude i'm supporting at, at myself not, at 19 years old at 19 yeah you know and so i'm like this is great you know so anyway i got this uh got this residency and it's going well i'm hosting open mics um i've got some buddies from around town they're talented they're making a deal where people start showing up becoming a thing and I'm playing one night, and there's this guy, a friend of mine. His name is Davis Allen, and he manages – Davis manages Reed South Hall Band and uh, Cody West. Big fan of those guys. Okay, cool, yeah. yeah. And Cody West. So yeah. Davis is part of a company that that manages those guys and along with Co now. Um, and so Davis was playing music at the time. Well, Davis, he's like, hey, I want to get on your residency. And he was in Stephenville, which is three hours away. So I'm like, yeah, dude, come down. Well, we play the show. And I get done, and this guy walks up to me. He's like, hey, what's up, dude? I'm Dre. <laughs> and I, I'm like, I'm like this is, yeah, I know. Everybody just automatically laughs with you hear Dre. So he's like, dude, I'm, I'm Dre, man. I really like that song that you played. And I can't remember which one he liked. But he's like, dude, uh, I like what you're doing. Need to get you open up for, for our buddy Co. sometime. I'm like, cool, man. Heck yeah. I didn't know who Co. was. You know what I mean? I was like, yeah, dude, I'll open at opening a show for somebody. Let's do it. I don't have to, yeah. you know, at that point, I've been doing the residency a long time. I was ready to kind of get out of that and try to do something else. And uh, he's like, yeah, open for everybody. Come. I'm like, sweet. Here's my phone number. Well, dude, it had to been a year goes by, you know, and I don't, I don't hear from him. You know, I got his, I got his, I have his phone number. Yeah. And, um. I get his phone number and I text him every once in a while. You know, I'm like, hey, what's up, dude? This is Chris. It's checking in, yada, yada. Year goes by, you know, so I don't hear anything and I'm kind of getting down. I'm playing the same gigs and then I get another gig at a crawfish stand. 
and I'm playing. A gig at a crawfish stand. A crawfish stand. That is some Texas-ass shit. Circle M crawfish in Big Sandy, <laughs> Matt Texas. Matt doesn't understand how big crawfish is, especially Louisiana and yeah. Texas. Like, I'm from Alabama originally, like, South Part, and, like, it's big down there at times, but, like, Texas and Louisiana, like, Dude, it's a culture. It's a thing. It's a big thing. Big crawfish guy. And so I got this gig, and it's for four hours, $200, and a bucket of beer. And that's what I'm doing this. Um, that's what I'm doing this show for is two hundred dollars and a bucket of beer. And I'm kind of down, you know. There's not a whole lot of people there. I'm making money, but it's not really, you know. It's just the same gig over and over. Again. Right. I get a text from Dre, and he goes, "Hey, uh, we wanna we wanna come and do this show with you at your at Republic Ice House with Co." I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So we do, we do this gig, you know. So Co comes in. This is right, right when he dropped noise complaint. Oh, I mean, yeah. Right, right when. <laughs> that's, so, that's when the train started rolling. Right, this is, I mean, this is very. This is January. I want to say of seventeen or something like that. I can't remember the year. And he's like, I got Co coming in. And so now this time I know who Co is. You know, I've been hearing Twitter and all this, and this is the thing. I'm like, dude, I have a chance to song swap with this guy in Tyler, where I'm from. We're going to pack this place out. And the whole plan was was to get him, Co, to come in, and we were going to pack this place out so that we could go play Cowboys, and Cowboys is the big club. you know. But we had to prove to ourselves. This is before Co's with a booking agency. This yeah. is before he's signed to a this label the, is deal. Is this the church fan days? This is before the church fan days. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. This is when Co shows up in his Ford F-150 with a brand new trailer on the back. <laughs> and so Co shows up, dude, and the week's preparing this. I've made flyers. I've personally walked on the campus. I've hung up flyers everywhere trying to get Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Got to come. Well, people know who Co is, so this thing is... It's going to take off. And the deal was we were going to make $100 a piece plus 30% of bar sales. Oh, right? that's, so that's great. As a matter of fact, I think it was 20%. You know, so we were like, 100 bucks, whatever. We're going to pack this place out. We're going to get into Cowboys. We're going to do this thing. So Co shows up. I get all the sound equipment out of my Toyota pickup. I run it all myself. Set it up, and we packed this damn thing out, dude. And, of course, everyone knows who Coz is, and, you know, I'm just the other guy song-swapping kind of thing, except my family and friends that are there. So we do it. It gets rowdy. I mean, it it, it gets – it's awesome. You know, if you've ever been to a Co show, if people don't know, it's – you need to go see one because it'll blow your mind. And, bring a helmet. Yeah, bring a helmet. Yeah. And uh, shin guards. And a lot of Tylenol. Yeah. And so, anyway – so we do this show, right? This is the first time in my life I think that I've ever smelt marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the whole place is just, you know, it's great. And they bring the party. I'm like, this is nuts. You know, this is awesome. So at the end of the night, me and Co made like $350 a piece, which was back then. Yeah. I, I mean, to make 350 bucks on an acoustic show that was 20 minutes from my house. Oh, we're rolling in it. Yeah. You know, so Co was like, dude, he came up to me at the end of the night, gave him his money. Dude, I appreciate you. We got to do this again. I'm like, awesome. So then he's like, let's set up, you know, a couple months goes by. Dre's like, we need to do that again. We got to do this again. So I had this other place in Ben Wheeler, Texas, 
at a place called Moore Store, and that was the first venue that me personally, our band, had sold out. It was just kind of the spot to go to. And so I set up this show, and it's me, Co, and a band that's called Shotgun Rider, and they were really big in Texas. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm familiar with them. Yeah, yeah. and so I set up the song swap. Same kind of deal. We're all going to split the money, right? It's Wednesday night. Co's really, really growing now. I want to say he's about to sign his... um, Booking, booking agency, pack it out, damn near sold out, you know, on a Wednesday. And I'll never forget, we were done with the show. And this is the kind of the defining moment of me and Co. in, in, in my eyes. We get done with the show, we're on stage. People are lining up in front of the stage to take pictures, you know, and there's a line for Shotgun Rider and there's a line for Co. And then it's in front of me is my fiance and her friend. <laughs> you know, just just two of us. And I, so I set my guitar. I'm like, all right, I'm going to take pictures. And eventually some other people trickled over and took pictures right. with them as well. But they had to get their co-pictures and their shotgun pictures. Well, I'll never forget. I set down my guitar, turned around, and Co did too. And we both started to walk, and he stopped. I could see. And he just kind of grabbed me around the neck and turned around facing the back wall away from everybody. He said, hey. He said, I really like what you're doing, and I really appreciate this. He said, if you ever need anything, you just give me a call. And I really like what you're doing. And I was like, I really, really appreciate it, you know. So we took pictures. We had some beers, yada, yada. We smelt marijuana again the first time, <laughs> the second time. And after that, it was just kind of took off and so a couple months goes by well now I'm looking for a booking agency and Red 11 booking agency I'm still with them and this is who Co eventually signs out now he's really selling he's tearing it up he's selling out venues he's becoming like who's Co Wetzel everybody's talking about it you know well and I don't know if he would tell this story you know I've never brought it up to him it's one of those things he just did under the radar kind of one of those things well I hear later on that basically I'm opening up these shows now for him. He's asking me to open shows, asking me to open shows. And Red Eleven's like, who's this guy that's opening up for you and stuff like that? You know? Outside of your bubble of East Texas, like yes. you're going, you're mm-hmm. doing, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're touring with them at this oh, point in a while. Yeah, yeah, in a way, yeah, not all the time, but if they need an opener acoustic for a couple hundred bucks, I'm your guy. You're driving yeah. whatever. I'm yeah. going to whatever. Dude, I'm canceling whatever I got going on. I'm going to be at this show, you know? And so um, basically... I had a song come out called Gone, and it was our first song to a million streams. It was the it was the shit. It's a smash hit. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, we, we love it. We love it. Thank you. And it was one of those things. It's like this is this is a good song. And so, and and Co's always liked that song. And so, he said basically, I heard from Dre or somebody. I can't remember who it was. Co never told me this, but they sat down. He sat down the phone with that song. And said, you need to sign this guy. Not, not too long after that, I signed with Red Eleven, my first booking agency. You know, it's just crazy. He really, he really helped me out, and that's that's. The, I'm pretty sure that's what Dre had told me that the story. It was kind of how it all went down and just took off. Then, he, then yeah. I've been now. I've been to New York City. I've been twice. You know, I've been all over the country with them. You know, and they've become some of the best friends that I've ever had. And now Co and Dre are going to be in my wedding in April. Oh yeah, dude. So you know, isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. How that starts out. It's all about relationships, man. So yeah, I'm, dude. I'm really fortunate to have Co and Dre, their whole crew, Red 11, 
you know, um, Jeb and Andrew at Red 11, all those guys, man, they've been really, really good to me. So, Dude, and, and it's so cool because something you hear in Nashville, you hear a lot with Georgia. And, and with, yeah. there's a lot of writers, obviously, from Georgia, a lot of artists that come out of Georgia. And it's kind of like the guys that have been doing it for a while bring up the younger guys. Right. And that's, in a sense, what, what Kobe's yeah. doing with you. And it's so cool to see that going on. Yeah. Going on in Texas and stuff. And, uh, damn, dude, that's that's a hell of a hell of a little journey right it there. It is. It's, it's a crazy journey. And there was—I remember there was another defining moment when Dre texted me asking me to open for Co. in the stockyards in Fort Worth. That's a big oh, deal. Yeah. That's a Holy big deal. Holy crap, dude. I, a matter of fact, I was at that crawfish gig. Yeah, and he texted me, and I was remember I told you I was two hundred bucks and a bucket of beer for four hours. Dre's like, "Hey, we need to come open an hour acoustic for two hundred bucks. Is that okay?" I said, "Shit, is that okay? <laughs> Easy money. I'm coming right now, you know." And I'll never forget the show. I can't remember if the venue didn't have their liquor license or whatever it was, but in the show, it was capacity of like four or five hundred people, maybe four hundred. The show was free alcohol. $20 to get in. $20 oh, to man. get in. Free beer. Free beer. I kid you not, this doesn't happen. You know, no, it no, doesn't. This does not happen. Free. And they were, you know, of course, the alcohol was in cups, you know, about yay big. Little you know, Dixie they, cups, little, yeah. Yeah, little tiny ones. But, you know, you can go, I mean, the bar hey, was man. slammed. You could, I'm telling you, dude, there was a line wrapped around this building, around the block, the entire night, like completely around the block. I, dude, I guarantee you there was 800, 900 people in there. You could not move. And I'm opening up acoustic. I'm like, this is the greatest day ever. Yeah, now you were talking about New York City. Where'd you go up there? Because that's my neck of the woods. I had no idea you have been to New York and stuff. Yeah, twice. And the only reason I've gone was opening for Co. Wetzel. I didn't, even oh, know wow. Co, I didn't even know Co's played in New York City. Yeah, we played. The first show we played was in Manhattan. Mercury Lounge? Yes, it was. How, how how interesting is that place? Because what they do, to, I don't know if you've been up there, Boudreaux. I haven't yet. They rotate where, like, there's there's different shows at different times kind of thing. So, like, as soon as the show ends, there's another show that sets up. And they do shows all the way through, kind of like Broadway. But they're ticketed shows with national Well, it's kind of like acts. whenever we played uh, the intersection and the stash. Yeah, but it's all one room. This oh. is all one little tiny room. And okay. what's the capacity in there, you think? Like 200 people tops? Oh, maybe, dude. It's tiny. It's a tiny little yeah. thing. You got to go through the bar. Loading's a bitch. Parking the van's got to be a bitch. Right. Like, I mean, not uh, not that this this house downstairs that we're in right now is tiny, but the whole venue is the size of this downstairs. Yeah, the oh, whole yeah. area is like the you size know, of this. Yeah. This this um, the, Your living room, basically, Pretty is, much. is the studio and stuff. Did you go to the deli that was right there, that Cat's Deli? Dude, I know Amazing. it's I know it's like twenty bucks for a sandwich, but yeah. the sandwich is like the size of your head, the yeah. pastrami and stuff. Dude, yes. it's ridiculous. They used to film Seinfeld yeah. in there. Yeah, it was great, and it was my first New York experience. And so, and God, I've got so many stories to tell about that. But yeah, did you, yeah, did you guys go, did you guys go go out to the clubs and stuff? Because I'm wondering no. I'm wondering what what the Co Wetzel crew is like in I, a place like New York City. Well, they did, and I don't think they ever went to sleep. But me, I was worn out. The New York City thing was a, was much for me. Coming from where I'm from, it was a re- little overwhelming. The first time it was a little overwhelming it was for like, me too. Oh God, you know this is there's you know, you know three in the morning is like noon here. Yeah, you know yeah. it's it never sleeps. And, the and, city that never sleeps. And with Times Square, it's all lit up that you don't mm-hmm. even know what time it is. Like you could be in a in a building near Times Square and you look out and it's like it's it's one in the afternoon almost. Like yeah. the sun's out. And so we went there, and the second time we went was in Brooklyn at the Knitting Factory. Oh, okay, and yeah, that yeah. Was, and that was awesome. That was 
that was a really, really cool show. Were you surprised with how the fans were yes. in New York coming from Texas? Yeah, I mean, you know, these were, you know, these were not. Okay, so the weird thing was, is like, you go from listening and seeing Co to five thousand people, ten thousand people, and then you go and you're playing a three hundred cap room in New York, and it's packed out in New York. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, dude's music is going everywhere. And the people know the words to the songs. Oh, they're they're dude. singing, can someone take me to Taco Bell? Right. Like they're, they're, they're belting it yeah. out. And I tell you the interesting thing is, and they'll tell you this too, is when you're back home in Texas, he's a thing now. He's this yelling at everybody's getting well, wild. We got to experience him a couple of times in Oklahoma the first time, and then the second time was Bomb Factory in Dallas. And that was, for me, insanity. <laughs> yeah. And we... It was one of those things is where, like, the funny thing was for me is when you're watching them play for five, ten thousand people, everybody's going wild. Yeah. Rowdy screaming in New York, everybody's standing there looking because they've never seen it before. They see it on social media. So, like, they're excited, but they don't know what to do. You know what I mean? Because they're so pumped. Now, that was the first time. Now, the second and third time, now it starts to get, when they come back, it's starting to get hype, you know. So it was kind of interesting to see that. But, yeah, he's taken me – they've taken me everywhere, dude. Virginia Beach from New York City. Virginia Beach. That Freedom Fest? No, it oh. was a venue. Oh, man. It was- I think that's where we were supposed to play this year in Virginia Beach. I can't remember the name. I can't remember the name. Like a lounge or like the Elevation Club or that's something. That's it. Yeah, Elevation. Elevation yeah. 27 or yeah, something. Yeah, that's, yeah, it. We, that's where we were supposed to play this year. Yeah, and, dude, that right there – that was one of the coolest moments for us because all we all we had was an EP out, right? They had it packed, packed out. I mean, and we get on stage, and when we got on stage, people went nuts because people had known our EP and they'd been listening to it for a year, but we'd never been up there. So we had people singing all the songs to our little five song EP, and it was it was live. It was it was crazy. So that was a cool moment for us, and you know, it was just one of those things, man. Just I'm really thankful for those guys that take me everywhere and develop a friendship. Um, you know, we're about to do a hunting trip pretty soon. That'll be fun. We're all going to. What are you all hunting? Because I know they kill everything. So that's another cool thing is we have the relationship and kind of similarities. We love to hunt and fish. We're from the same area in East Texas. That was a way of life growing up. Yeah. So we're going to Amarillo, Texas at Cadillac Creek Outfitters, and we're hunting Sandhill Cranes. And we're hunting duck and I think Canadian geese. Kill those Canadian geese, man. <laughs> yeah, those yeah, things yeah. are bastards. Yeah, because right. those geese are a pain in the ass. Yeah, and apparently they say the sandhill cranes are the ribeye in the sky. They say that really? they're so good. And they look like they they say they're prehistoric looking. Like they look like a dinosaur, you know, like a pterodactyl <laughs> or some shit. Boogers gotta look that up. Yeah, do it. That that's awesome. And you were talking about having that having that little EP out. You got a bit more than that little EP yeah. out now. June twenty sixth, a big day for you. Yeah, man. Congrats on that Thank release. You. Oh, and yeah. um, how's how's that? How's the music been received? Oh, that that that's what it looks like. Like a small like emu. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Isn't it beautiful? The ribeye in the sky. Yeah, can you imagine shooting one of those out of the sky? You know, it's like shooting down an airplane. Yeah, you know, you better hope that it's not landing near you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Talk, sky darts. Talk, talk about the record. How what was that process like? How's that all been for you? Changed my life. You know, it's a good record, man. I thoroughly you. enjoy that we, record. We've been, we've, we've been bumping it here. Thank you, man. It's it changed my life. It it's uh, there's a there's a lot of big things in place for it right now. We had a song. So basically, what I did the whole you're asking about the process about it is basically what I did 
was people were waiting on a full album for me. You know, they heard, they heard these singles, they were bumping it, but you know how people's attention spans get nowadays. Just like with Muscadine, they're releasing music after music after music because people always want more. You know, it's not like back in the day where you buy a record, like a Led Zeppelin record or or a uh, Eagles record, and you listen to it for years until you get to finally see them. Now it's just like... We want more. We want to hear another one. Hear another one. So well, it's so open too, like Spotify and Apple yeah. Music and all that kind of stuff. You like, can do whatever you want. Yeah. yeah, that's the great thing about it. And so, basically, what I did, I was like, I need, I need something. I need some songs because I was songwriting then. But I'm from Texas, and to be honest with you, a lot of, back in Texas, we don't really co-write a whole lot with people in Texas. I don't know why it's not and a I've thing. And I've noticed that with co, where like if you look at the song credits, which is something I do a lot on Spotify, yeah. I look at, I look at, oh, who who was who was writing on this song? Yeah. With co, it's just it just says co Wetzel. He, he only writes um, with. He only d- writes by himself, and that's just his thing. Yeah. That's that's what works for Mad him. And, and it's a common it's a, com- it's a common thing in Texas, right. so I think to do that, like I'm sure Reed does that. Like there's yeah, a lot of guys do. that do that. Mm-hmm. that. Most of them do. Well, small towns, it's because even like where I'm from in Alabama and stuff, like you know, we all write. I might write with my buddy Nick every now and then, but it's like me and him, and that's it. Like nobody yeah. else does it. So you got to write by yourself, right? And so basically, it's one of those things that I was like, I really. Since I can't co-write, I need to get some songs, some really, really good songs somehow, some way, because I need a record that's going to kind of help give us a bump and get us some more notoriety, right? So that's what I did with my producer back home. His name is Philip Mosley. He produces all of Colby Cooper's music. Other guy, you and Colby. I'll tell you what. The yeah. next generation of Texas music, maybe, maybe, maybe call it the the um, the the PK, the post co generation. Y'all are a lot of fun to watch. And Colby's another guy. Speaking on him real quick, not to sidetrack from the record talk, but is he a guy that you've gotten to know and stuff? Oh, dude, yeah. You know what's crazy is Colby a couple of years ago was opening shows for me to nobody. You know, we were headline. We were trying to get these headlining dates, and we didn't have anybody showing up. You know what I mean? We were Because, like I said, there was a break in time for a long period. We didn't have any music out. So people were kind of, eh, you know, in a sense, you know, nobody was really paying attention to us. And Colby was open. I'll never forget. You know, I'll never forget when I met him. You know, he was 18, 19, and he was opening shows for us. And now he is taking off. You know, he's killing it, man. He's packing out rooms. It's to be honest with you, it's kind of a similar situation of when we were watching Co, you know, kind of blow up. He's really, really doing well for himself. And um, so I got to know him. And, yes, we're, we're buddies. We don't get to hang out all the time like I wish just because everybody's schedules are busy. You know, he's got a little girl. He's got another one on the way. And, um, and of course, with the whole quarantine everything happening, you know, everybody kind of shuts down. But Colby's a great, great kid. And, he's dude, he is, he is really killing it. And I'm so happy for him. And so it was one of those things – with Philip, producer I'm talking about, Philip had the connections in Nashville with um, publishing companies and producers and stuff. So he got me hooked up talking with uh, Warner Chapel and Warner Publishing Company is then Combustion is another uh, yeah. Combustion is another publishing company. Well, it's like, hey, I got this artist need to pitch some songs. Well, they pitched me these songs. Well, the first song in that batch that they pitched me was First Dirt Road. And that was a song that we cut in last November and it really did well for us and who was and who was on that one again um let's see that was josh phillips 
and uh, Brett Tyler and Bart Butler. Yeah, and and yeah. Bart, Bart Butler. For people who don't know, you talk about a a Texas a Texas guy too. If I'm not mistaken, I think I've I think so. I'm I, not I, sure. I, I know he. I think he's been around. Um, been around that scene and stuff. Another guy. Are you, I forget if it's you or Colby that works a lot. You work with Jordan Walker and like yes. Randy Montana and those yeah. guys. Yeah. What's, so, what's the relationship been like with those dudes? So I haven't got to meet Randy yet. Um, but I cut on that album. Basically, I cut, I want to say, three of Randy yeah, Montana's songs. Yeah. We've had Randy on the podcast. It was when we were doing, it was when we were up in Delaware during quarantine. We've been all over the place doing all this COVID right. shit. And we did, we unfortunately only were able to do it over over Skype or Zoom. I forget exactly how we did it. But um, but you talk about a heavy hitter in town and a guy that's, that knows how to write a damn song and a guy oh. who knows how to work and groom artists. Like, he's he's working a lot with Luke and, and right. Riley and Parker and all right. those guys. And now you're you're on that list. That's, that's badass. Right. Yeah, um, I actually forgot to mention, too, before it was to go back on that, before it was Philip helping out the connections. Actually, the guy that got me with the Warner people was Randy Rogers. Oh, wow. Because Randy Rogers was my manager for about six months or so. How? Damn. It was the craziest experience ever. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, this is, it's, it's like a story. Like, when you look back, it's a like, I'll never forget... If you guys have seen the Eagles documentary on Netflix, I've not yet. You have to you have to watch it. There's a moment in there where Joe Walsh says, "We never expected to be what we were going to be that quick." He said, "When you're living your life, you realize that in the moment it seems like a bunch of random events just crashing together that are happening. And then you look back on your life and you say, and you realize it was a perfectly crafted novel." And that was so cool to me. You know, and that's kind of what's happened with me. Just relationships bumping into people, you know, like meeting Co, meeting Colby, meeting Philip, who then in turns, you know, then one day I'm filling up my van with gas going on a gig and a, my text message goes off, said, hey, Chris, this is Randy Rogers. I'd like to talk to you about management. What? <laughs> like, what? And so that relationship got built from Parker McCollum. Parker McCollum told Randy, there's this kid, you know, he's talented. I think you should help him out. Randy texts me. So Randy becomes a manager. Randy sets me up with the Warner thing. And then Philip with his connections with Combustion and Warner as well combined. And so basically we got, um, Randy knew I wanted to do the Nashville thing and all that. And, uh, so he kind of helped facilitate me and try to find other management, stuff like that for Nashville. And so now I'm with a management agency in Nashville called the AMG. And they manage uh, Chris Young and Brad Paisley. Yeah, yeah. So crazy, dude. It's just nuts. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think five years ago you're playing, playing this ice house place to hosting open. It's mics. actually really fun talking about all this again because I'm starting to remember stuff that I kind of forgot about. You know, and so life moves so fast. You so don't get fast. to live in the moment. You yeah, don't. yeah. And so anyway, so I get all these songs for this record, and there's this song in there. From um, it was written by um, Jordan Walker and a couple other guys. And it's called Five Beers. Yeah, yeah, dude. <laughs> and so the line, and actually, Five Beers was the last song that I decided to put on the album. Really? Like it was like I had already picked all the other ones. We needed one more. We need something up tempo, something fun, something party. Because I never had a party song. Kind of. I listened to it a couple times. Like I think we got to cut this. And Philip's like. I think you need to cut that song. So we cut it. And then 
That's a song right now that's going to be our quickest song to a million streams. I think it hit 600,000 today. It's been out for two months. So it's cool, you know, and that's, those are honestly compared to other artists, those are small numbers, but for us, that's our stepping stone. It's really, really helping us, you know, yeah, 607,000, 607,000, almost 608. Yeah. And I think it, it's gets streamed like 14,000 times a day or something like that, which is dumb. Yeah. You know what I mean? For me, I've never really dreamed of ever having anything like that before. Yeah. So it's really helping us out in that record. Anyway, I recorded at Sound Emporium in Nashville. Which, studio, and that was my first time. This this is my first experience. I want to say this is my first experience flying to Nashville or like coming was Ow. going to Sound Emporium. Yeah, I know, wow. hard life, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so anyway, we get there. Philip's like, we're gonna have all these um, Nashville session players play on this, and they're gonna go through it two times. It's gonna blow your mind. I'm like, okay, I trust you. You're the producer, right? So we got Saul Philcox to play guitar. And for those who don't know who Saul is, he's did all of the guitar work for all of Luke Combs' records. Uh, he's done a million other records. I, I think he's done Dustin Lynch. and um, He's the first call guy here in yeah, town. Sam Hunt. All the, yeah. He's done all the, the parts. And then um, uh, Jacob Lowry played bass on it. And then the drummer for Aaron Watson, Nate Coon, played drums. Uh, who else was it? There's a couple other guys. Um, I want to say it was Billy Ray Cyrus's keys player. Uh, I want to say his name is, yeah, Will, and he did keys. And then Spence Peppard is from Nacogdoches, Texas, East Texas guy. He did yeah. all the acoustic stuff on that. Um, anyway, it was nuts. And they knocked out a whole record in a day. Like, this is nuts. You know, I've yeah. never experienced it. That's how it works in Nashville. That's it's, how it's got to work because there's a, so much going on. It's the best money investment you're going to ever spend is just to get the best of the best and just do it if you can. If, you, you know, if it's, you know, if you're fortunate enough to be able to to be able to do that financially. So, well, so how old, so this had to be pretty recent. So you were over 21 when your first time coming here, right? Yes. Did you get to experience downtown and experience what was your first Nashville experience like? And how does it compare to your guys' music city of Austin, Texas? Yeah, it's, um, in my, my personal view of it, actually, now I'm thinking back, I remember my stories are jumping everywhere. My first experience of Nashville was coming with, uh, my now fiance, uh, we came up on a trip. Her parents had bought us a trip to go to Memphis and Nashville for Christmas. Instead of buying us things, they wanted us to do experiences, which I think is a fantastic. That's thing. awesome too. It's the way to be. Yeah. yeah. So we came to Nashville not knowing anybody. We don't we don't know where to go. All we know is Broadway. You know, I mean, you know Broadway. That's where the music is, right? Right. So we go and we and we we sat and had drinks. I think at the same bar pretty much every night and listened to these guys play. And that was the first time. I was like, this is cool. Like I got to come back. And then since then, I've, you know, I pretty much fly up here, you know, once a month at least. And I love it. So it's, Nashville's great comparison to Austin. Um, Austin's a place I haven't been yet. I've been wanting to go. And I know we were going to have a show out there with you and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's cool. Um, Austin's a really, it's a really neat, interesting, you know, uh, keep Austin weird is kind of their slogan. It's, it's, if you like the, the downtown kind of similar to Nashville, how they have the music row and they have the Broadway, they have that as well. It's called Sixth street, which is real famous. And there's 150 bands going at one time at every bar. It's really, really neat. There's beautiful lakes down there. It's hill country. Um, a lot of music. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of music going on down there. I want to say Parker McCollum still lives down there. And a lot of Texas guys are based out of there. Um, 
we're, we're pretty much spread out everywhere, but it's really cool. I, I think, you know, for me, um, it's really similar to Nashville. I think they both have really good characteristics and qualities. So. Austin is pretty much like East Nashville, but just spread. Okay, that, yeah. that, make, that makes sense. That yeah, makes sense right. with the whole keep Austin weird, like keep it creative. Creative. Yeah. That's the word. It, they don't want it to be artistic. commercial. Arti- they want it to be artistic and creative, not commercial. Yeah, yeah it's great. Austin's a great. It's, it's cool because it's also the capital, so there's like, yeah. you know, the and state capitals there and everything. big-ass college there. Which yeah. college team do you pull for? Dude, so what's funny is I'm not really a fan of any Texas teams, but the Dallas Mavericks and the Dallas Stars, but my college team is LSU. Interesting. Okay, but I guess East Texas and Louisiana. Yeah, right, right. Well, we're, yeah we're right. We're an hour from Louisiana, and my fiance, she is from. Um, she was born in Louisiana, so her family's big LSU fans. So obviously, when I met her, it kind of it's a smart call. Yeah, yeah. it's a good call. <laughs> I, it's definitely a safe bet um, for sure. Worked that worked out well for you last year. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and so I think growing up though too, I was always a big College World Series fan, and you know LSU was dominant. Yeah. You know, growing up, they I think they have. Texas had their years, too, though. They did, too. Texas, yeah, Texas did had great years. There was a um, lot of time. Like, I didn't really keep up with college baseball as much, but there was a long time where it was Texas athletes on the cover. Oh, yeah. Of the college baseball games. Right. And then, you know, when, when even when they had Vince Young, when playing, yeah. you know, that 2004, 2005 year was, my stepdad's a big Texas Longhorn fan, so I remember watching that. But I was a fan of Reggie Bush. And so then Reggie goes to New Orleans Saints. Another Louisiana team. That's my favorite football team. I like Reggie Bush. Who dat? Who dat? Who dat? That's right. Who dat nation? And so a Falcons fan and an Alabama fan. So here we right. go. Yeah. Oh God. He's an Alabama fan. He's I'm from Alabama. Okay. Our crew, obviously Gary and Charlie, are both from Alabama. They're big Auburn guys. Right. So they get yeah. into it with Boudreaux. And yeah. Like, I know they're Auburn. And see, I, you know, I've never. I, mean, I was there during the Sula days. I lost. Yeah. Like I've, you know, I was right. a true fan. Like right. The, I've been to one Alabama game in my life, yeah. and it was versus Duke in like 2006. Yeah, and we won 17 to 14 on a last second field goal. So right. like, so you got hooked. Yeah, yeah, like like we've we've been there in yeah. the bad part. Like I wasn't a fair weather. Like when they started right. winning, like I've been a lifer. Free save in Alabama. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. My my best my one of my best friends, man, is a diehard Alabama Crimson Tide fan, and it's we get into battles all the time. But you know, you know how you sit around with your homies and you. And you uh, debate on who's going to do what this year and who's better. And how does LSU look to you this year? I mean, I mean, how, I mean, everybody's how, declaring for the draft. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. How do, yeah, how do you repeat last year? You, you, you can't, can't. Yeah, you can't. You can't. You're not going to find another Joe Burrow for a while. Maybe. I mean, hopefully not. You know, I don't. To be honest with you, I don't know how anybody's going to be. Because I mean, are they going to get to play? Yeah, <laughs> you know I, what mean, I mean, we, we saw I think how Alabama's going to be with at least their quarterback situation. Yeah, because he got to play last year and did pretty dang good. Right. No, Alabama's always going to be a powerhouse yeah, no I mean, matter what. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. LSU's like I think Coach O is going to make it. Into, oh yeah, he's got to hype you up. I mean, too. Yeah. I love yeah. Coach O. Dude. Right. I, mean, I don't even know the guy, and I love him. You know what I mean? I feel like he's 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 cool. I mean, even whenever y'all had the Mad Hatter down there, Les yep. Miles, like yep. eating know, grass. Yeah, <laughs> like y'all. Legit, I love Les Miles. Y'all yeah. legit were like, you know, it was Alabama or LSU every year. Right. Auburn would sneak in every like right. And now you two got, decades. Now you got Clemson. That's yeah. just like really killing it, you know. Yeah. We got we got a little Clemson boy in the house. <laughs> yeah, we got, and I'm I'm a Virginia Tech guy, so okay. I like I like the ACC as he well. He likes to lose a lot. Right. <laughs> well, wasn't um, wasn't uh, 
Oh my God, quarterback, Virginia Tech, played for the Falcons. Michael Vick. Vick. We, Michael yeah. Vick. We've had very good black mobile quarterbacks. We had yeah. Michael Vick, Tyrod Taylor, yeah. um, Logan Thomas was pretty good yeah. for us, but it's been a little while now since since we lost Frank Beamer. We haven't been able right. to quite get Basically, it back. Matt cheers for the teams that lose a lot. He's a Giants fan, a Virginia, oh, uh, a New York Giants. Also a Yankees fan. And are you a big Strohs guy? No, I'm about to throw you for a loop. Well, if you're a Red Sox fan, we can't be friends no more. Die hard Boston Red Sox fan. Let's go. Let's go. How and why? David Ortiz. Okay. Big okay, I get it. okay. Favorite player of all time in 04 when they came back and beat the Yankees. Yep. Three games to nothing. I remember. I, ha- I have a Who's Your Daddy shirt from that yes. series. Yeah. yeah. And, ooh, that, that burns. Uh, dude, when I was growing up, I was getting into baseball. Obviously, I was playing ball. Sports were a big deal in my life, too, besides music. I played baseball, played basketball. Um, when you had that 04 team, you had... You know, you had Veritech, you had Big Poppy, Johnny Damon. My mom loved Johnny Damon because she, she thought he was hot, you know, and all that stuff. You know, you, the caveman. Manny Ramirez. I mean, Pedro Martinez. You had Kevin Millar doing the whole cowboy up yeah. thing. You had you had um, Mark Bellhorn. You had yes. just some Crot Nixon, just some gritty dudes. Yes, Nixon. It's a, it was a fun team to uh, fun team to root for. Yeah, absolutely. It was one. It was one of those things where. And they, it was just, it was a story. It was a Cinderella story. And they came back that season. But David Ortiz is my favorite, favorite player of all time. So then when my fiance graduated from uh, Berkeley School of Music in Boston, we got to go and I got to go to Fenway for the first time. Got to sit on the Green Monster. Oh, yeah. Crazy, dude. I went to Fenway last year. I sat right behind bullpens, like 12 rows up, like literally on the divider of the oh, bullpens. Awesome. And it was the last series of the, the season. It was like Baltimore versus the Red Sox. Neither yeah. one had a dog in the hunt, but it was right. such an experience. And then the next day I went to a Bruins game and set second row off the ice, yeah. second seat from the bench. Right. And that was crazy too. Oh, dude, I'm a huge I'm a diehard hockey fan too. Dallas Stars. Dallas Stars. Okay, so that's interesting so, now because you're getting involved in Nashville and the Preds and the Stars right? have a little bit of history. And, and they don't get together too much. Oh, and guess who was at the Winter Classic this year when Dallas beat Nashville? Boudreaux, I was supposed to be there. I was there. It was amazing. I have, a, I have a jersey, but I was supposed to be there and just things didn't work out the way I wanted it to. Right. You know, just... You know, it just wasn't feasible for me to go this time. I was in Texas, yeah, and I was in Houston and all, but it was just like we had just like we ended our year on the twenty eighth with Co. Yeah, uh, in Dallas, and then yeah. I drove. My girlfriend was at the show, and then we went back to Houston. You were with us the night before. Yeah, I played yeah. with you guys in Ardmore with yeah, yeah, with yeah. Muskie Down and Co. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we drove back to Houston that night. Got in Houston like four a.m. And dude, I was just so dead. Oh yeah, I was just like, I'm, I was I'm not going to do it. Yeah, dude. Um, those those shows are are a lot of fun and wild. But the Red Sox. That's I, I'm, I'm a not... Sox fan. Well, the reason the Stars and the Mavericks, my half brother works for the Dallas Mavericks and Dallas Stars. He's a photographer. Oh, that's cool, man. So he so got he, he gets a check from Mark Cuban. Something like that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty much. Around about what he Yeah, I'm assuming he finally makes his way down to him. But uh, <laughs> it was one of those, I'm, I, he's been there since Dirk was there. So growing up as a kid, you're looking for something I was a sports. big Dirk's fan. Oh, dude, yeah. And I've, I've always been a big Steve Nash fan, too. Yes, Steve Nash. So, I remember that. I remember those yeah, days, dude. dude. I was a Jason diehard. Jason Terry. Yeah. Oh, J- the Jet, dude. My, one of my favorite players you ever. you Jason Kidd, too, for a while? Yes. We, yeah. had, we had Jason Kidd, dude. We had Michael Finley. We, you know, we had... Um, um, Eric Dampier, um, all those guys, man, they were Sean Marion. So my brother has a picture. Funny shot. Yeah. Yeah. My brother has a picture 
So my brother actually got a ring when they won in 2011. Oh, wow. And so there's a picture of him and Sean Marion sticking their rings out side by side. And it is the coolest picture ever. So he would get me cool. I have Eric Dampier's armband that he got me. Just stuff like that. So I remember being a kid, my whole room, one wall, one wall was blue. And remember when those fat head stickers came out? Oh, yeah. yeah. I had a fat head sticker of Dirk, full size. And I don't even think, I think his head like came up on the ceiling. It was so tall, <laughs> you know, because it's him shooting, you know, yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. All, it's him extended. So big Mavs fan, big Stars fan, Stars are in the playoffs right now. So I think they play tonight. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Preds went home, one and so, done. So yeah, did, they so did. did. So did the Rangers. But uh, Yeah, they did. See, and, and so... Another thing, too, growing up as a kid, it was a big deal to be able to go from East Texas to drive to a Rangers game that was going into Dallas, that was going into the city. So that was a really big deal for us. So I did I did grow up liking the Rangers, Nolan Ryan and all that. And um, But, man, I just fell in love with the Sox. Like, what do you think of the Rangers' new ballpark? I've been. So let me tell you. Sorry. You're fine. <laughs> um, let me try to put this in. It is nothing like the original stadium. It is a big, and it's nice. Don't get me wrong. It's very nice, and it's going to help, I think, with um, with players because it's so damn hot in Texas. You know, you can't even go to a game in Texas during the summer because it's 100-something degrees with no wind moving, and no one wants to play in that unless yeah, you grew up in it. I've heard people explain the ballpark at Arlen. Uh, is basically like um, – you're sitting in an oven yeah, and you're much. baking like yeah. hot dogs in the stands. But the thing is, is with the new ones, um, my fiance's little brother graduated high school this year and he got to graduate on home plate in the new stadium. And so wow. that was pretty cool. Everything's bigger in Texas. So, that's a graduation where the dude slid in the home plate. There's one of those, one of those. Yeah. They had a bunch of Texas high schools yeah. that got to do it. But when we went, you're sitting there, and it, don't get me wrong, it's nice. You're sitting there, and it's like sitting in this house. You got air conditioner finally at a ball game. It's just a big industrial building. It's very clean. There's nothing about it like walking up to Wrigley Field or Fenway or even the ballpark, aren't you? And you walk up, and you're staring at it like, it gives me chills thinking about it. This is a ballpark. You're about to go experience a baseball See, that's game. That's how I feel. That's how I, and I, I get into it with a lot of other Yankee fans, but – I grew up in the, the original the Yankee Stadium, and for me, I remember being in the upper deck and watching Marlon Rivera in the ninth and the stadium freaking shaking yeah. and walking up and being oh, like, that's amazing. Seeing, seeing the, they had like a big smokestack there, but they made it look like a Babe Ruth Louisville slugger. Yeah. Like all this history, Monument Park, all this stuff, new stadium, it's still got some of that, but right. it ain't the same. I saw, and I feel that. That's why I feel it, it with Arlington. It's not the same. And I, I'm, I'm going to go watch games there. I'm going to love it. I'm going to love to watch the Texas Rangers play games. But uh, Did you see all the Twitter roasting? Of the new ballpark they did. Oh, I'm no, I didn't. But I'm. Oh, sure. dude, there was one. They like they photoshopped it and made it look like a big grill opening. They're oh, like, I did see that. And then like yeah. uh, one of them, one that I saw is like they put Joel Steen up there, and they're like Joel Steen eyeing his new church building in oh, 20 years. No. <laughs> Rangers got a guy. You got uh, Joey Gallo right now, yes. right? He's pretty Love good. Gallo. Pretty good power hitter. He'd be nice in a Yankees uniform. Yeah, he, I'll tell you what. He is. And I was <laughs> and I was a Mitch Moreland fan, and then Mitch went to Boston, so I was like, oh, yeah. perfect. Yeah. And, uh, actually, a lot of the Texas guys, Casey Donahue and Randy Rogers and all those guys, they're friends with Brock Holt. Uh, and Brock yeah. Holt played with Boston. Now he's with Milwaukee, I yeah. think, with the Brewers organization. Anyway, big sports guy. You know, um, I don't even remember what we were talking about before sports. I think we got off on that. But yeah. I can't remember. It was great, though. I loved that. 
So speaking of things that we love, there's some things that make going to Texas awesome. For me as a merch guy, I sell a shit ton of merch. Your Texas music fans love supporting artists by buying merchandise, and yeah. you've got a lot of cool T-shirts and hats, and I rock the, the Indian head one, hey. the, the, the Chris Colson. The, yeah. the Tex- I'm not going to lie. We, so you gave some hats to the guys, yeah. and we have this thing as like if a hat sits in the van for a few weeks, it's free game, yeah. and I'm like a, I probably got 100 hats upstairs. Yeah. So like I always like grab one. Well, there was your like black one that has your name on it? It's kind of yeah. like the trucker hat, and it sat there for like a week. And I was like, "Yes, if it's here next week, I'm grabbing it." And then yeah. Chuck's like, mm, "I like this hat." Yeah. Now Chuck wears it yeah. all, all the time. time. Yeah, I see his pictures yeah, on like, Instagram all and stuff. the time. Man. But <laughs> aside, but aside from from me being able to sell a shit ton of merch in the great state of Texas, y'all have a couple of things that other places don't have. One great of them, food. well, great food. One of them is Bucky's, and yes. to me. I didn't know what Bucky's was. I had heard about it, and my first week out, and they were like, "Just wait till we go to Texas, or we stop at a certain place in Alabama, and there's there's Bucky's." And it was now Boudreaux is probably like the biggest Bucky's fan that I know. Oh, yeah. I'll go in there and spend seriously two hours. Oh yeah, he buys everything. He's got Bucky's hats. He's got Bucky's shirts. <laughs> he's got Bucky's. Cups he yeah, brings. He brings you, back beaver nuggets. Yeah, I was gonna say, have you had the Bucky's nuggets? Those oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Wait, oh, have, you, have you had the? I don't know how new they are. They're new to us, but the um, beaver twist. I actually haven't. So the beaver twists are literally bugles covered in white chocolate. Oh, in a can, in a can, because yeah. everything in Bucky's comes in a can. Oh, it's great. And, uh, literally, last time, so I was in Houston like mid August, and when I flew back, I literally brought two pounds of brisket with me from Bucky's. <laughs> he used and, it as like the, deli like, meat here. Yeah, literally, like the guy at uh, TSA was like, "You mind opening your backpack?" And I was like, "Yep." And like, I opened it up in the whole airport for a second, just smelled like Bucky's right. brisket. It <laughs> brisket. was great. My backpack still smells like brisket. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, are you a Whataburger or In and Out guy? Whataburger. Okay. Hundred percent. Okay. Hands down. Okay. Every Texas person that I've talked to about this has said Whataburger. Yeah, it's the greatest, uh, and it, I cannot believe Nashville doesn't have one because we're, we're okay, we works. had one. We had one, and it shut down in like the '90s. And now they're talking about bringing one. We actually just had one open near Ardmore, Alabama, which is like the state line. Right. So there's one now about an hour, hour and a half away and, from and us. Me, and me and Boudreaux are probably going to take a trip just Dude, to go to Waterburger. So we'll before, drive an hour and a half for yes. it. So before. So I'm from a part of like Alabama, North Florida. That's like I live like right on the Alabama Florida line, okay. and it's like there are Whataburgers there. Right. The first Whataburgers outside the state of Texas or in the part of like Florida that I live in and all. So right. it's like it's great. And now we also have a Bucky's down in Orange Beach, Alabama, which isn't too far. Yeah. So yeah. You, I went by. Th- I went yeah, through yeah, that yeah. one the so other day. Yeah. Sort of like Texas too, you know, like whatever. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of like that's the thing with Muscadine, the red clay country. That's where they yeah. like kind of got that from and stuff. But like, you know, I grew up on Whataburger. So when I was in college here in town, I would literally on a Saturday or something leave early in the morning drive to Birmingham, which is about three hours, get Whataburger right around lunchtime, go chill in Birmingham for a few hours, and then get it for dinner and head back to town. <laughs> that is dedication right there. Yeah, that's that's like my we, Whataburger. We, we, get, we get into, into arguments 
over In and Out and Whataburger in our in our, in our exactly. band in our band group chat because Zoltan, the, our drummer, he's from California, so okay. he's, a big, he's an In and Out guy. He's an Out guy, and then Justin, our bass player, also In and Out guy. I think Weston is a recent recovering vegan. We'll call it a recovering <laughs> vegan because he he was a vegan, yeah. but now he he's he's come he's come to his senses and can eat burgers again. I don't, I don't think he's had Whataburger yet. He's only had In and Out. Yeah, he liked it, but for me, I mean, Whataburger is so good. The honey, I call it the honey boo boo biscuit because oh. I was I was um I. I got I had the the smell of marijuana the first time I had it and I didn't know it was the honey butter <laughs> chicken biscuit and the guy the guys put it on their Instagram story and we're like oh that's our Yan- our new Yankee uh, yeah. merch guy what do you think of that I'm like oh it's the honey boo boo biscuit oh and, yeah and yeah that's what if I, you look in my fridge there's at least one if not two or three bottles of honey butter water burger <laughs> let me show you this all right I know the the listeners can't see this but I'm about to show you so I got a text message yesterday from my fiance she said I picked something up for you. Waterburger ketchup. Yeah, dude. You can buy all Waterburger all Waterburger condiments in H E B. Yes. Yes. This. That right there is heaven in a bottle. Is it really that different from other ketchup? One hundred percent. I don't know what it is. It is the best ketchup I've ever had. And you know, people you know, there's gonna be people out there, oh Whataburger's terrible. Well, whatever. You know what I mean? Like You're wrong. You're wrong. I mean, I feel like it's such a Texas staple, and I've even, I've even, there was a video clip of Parker playing playing a song live. I think it was Hell of a Year that he was playing live, and he's like, I wrote this in a Waterburger parking lot yep. at two in the morning. Like, Waterburger's just such a staple. It's, it's where you guys, like, even. It's like, a thing. It's a, I, okay, so. Talk, 24 hours. It's a so, hangout so spot. It's when you're a kid, late night. In my hometown, my hometown's about 5,000 people. It's a small town. I will never forget, right next to the main gas station everybody goes to, they built a Whataburger, and I remember that. I remember the night it opened. It was the first Friday night football game oh, of yeah. Texas high school football. <laughs> right after this place, dude, we all went. Talk about a book written right there. Oh, dude, I had so I had friends that were on in the band on drill team, twirlers, and everything. They had a job. They got a job there, right? They left. They had to leave the game and go work in their twirler outfits and in their band uniforms and stuff because they needed so much help. Damn. And it's, it was just, it was just a cool, Whataburger's just, it's a staple what's, in Texas. What's your order? My favorite order is a number two double meat cheeseburger. I usually get meat and cheese only with a large fry and a big old fat Dr. Pepper, man. Dude, we have the same exact order. <laughs> Are you Num- serious? Number two, plain and dry, yes. large fry, large Dr. Let's Pepper. Go. Same mine. I, I will say that there are times where I will get, uh, so, when I grew up, I didn't necessarily love burgers, so I grew up loving Whataburger for their chicken strips. Oh, yeah. number 13, baby. Yeah, they're it's great. More, it's more than just a burger joint. Gravy, yeah. gravy in Texas toast, what do you mean, dude? Well, see, I wouldn't <laughs> get the gravy. I would get the honey butter. They have it in packets. Let me put you on something right quick. You're a big plain and dry guy like me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to get the barbecue chicken strip sandwich. And substitute the barbecue for honey butter. Done it. No. Oh. No. Oh, okay. Well, no. sorry. Hold on here. Substitute the barbecue sauce, plain and dry, just the strips and the cheese, and put some gravy on that thing. I'm a big gravy guy. If, I think if, I would but like do you it. like gravy? You're gra- so if you're not a gravy I'm, guy, I'm coming back to gravy. In high school, yeah. I played four sports, yeah. and before every game, they served us country fried steak, which wasn't fried; it was baked <laughs> oh, with that man. like brown that sewer water gravy. Yeah, no, 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 and no. And so, no. like that ruined me for gravy for a while. But when I was in Texas this last time, or not this last time, but when I moved out or went out there for May, I basically moved out there. I went to this place in Houston that's pretty famous for chicken fried steaks. And if I can find the picture real quick, I remember this. This, this things like. 
like almost the size of Boudreaux. It's like, like legit. <laughs> and they had, they call it Texas River Bottom Gravy is what they called huh. it. But dude, this that. place that sounds disgusting. But. No, dude, it was like it was like a browner gravy and all. But like this place, I was like, you know what? Since I'm here, I gotta try it. When you say come back to gravy, it's like a come to Jesus moment. It's your come to gravy moment, you know? Yeah, it's I like, know. You're coming back to gravy. Oh yeah. That, that's Instead of I need you, Jesus, I need you, gravy. Yeah. Some other food in Texas that I really liked. My first experience of us being of of our uh, touring with Gary and Charlie and being in Texas yeah. was um was Billy Bob's. That was, and, yeah, that was the first time and, I ever went to Texas. And the, the food at Billy Bob's, the when they give you those meal tickets. And I'll say something that might get me in trouble with there those guys. Go. I got... Oh, there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is... Oh, my Lord. This was on uh, Man vs. Food. That's how I found this. What a plate of food that and is. And it looks like a redneck yacht club. Like, yeah. legit, like, you roll yeah. up, and it's just like a... Right. Yeah. So, so, with Billy Bob's, I somehow ended up... I don't know if everybody ended up. Tyler, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I ended up with two meal tickets. So, I got two meals at Billy we were Bob's. Supposed to, we were supposed to have two meal tickets. Oh, we were? Okay. Because yeah. I was like, wait. I was, I was like, oh, I got two. Yeah, I so, got two. Yeah, dude. They were... They were Billy I think Bob's I actually catering a third. Is, Billy Bob's catering is sick. So... My fiance was in marketing at Billy Bob's. Oh no shit! For over, she, she worked there for a, for a year until we moved back to East Texas recently. So I would go up and eat lunch with her every day at that cafe. So good. Oh, so it's so great. I got the brisket. I think that's the what I got too. The, the chef there, I can't remember the story, but he's um, had a really really successful business or restaurant or something and came to work for Billy Bob's. I'm not also, mistaken. Billy Bob's is really funny because I was hanging out with like the front of house guy that day and I was like, so what'd you do for Billy Bob's? Like, how'd you get this gig? And he was like, oh, I was in St. Clown Posse's front of house and production manager for like 13 years. And I was like, oh, well, this <laughs> oh. is a scene of change. Cool. Scene yeah. changery. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah. Yeah, no. And, and Billy, have you, have you gotten to do Billy Bob's yet? Yeah, I played it one time. I opened for a band called the Dirty River Boys. We played it one time and then other, other times I've been um, when Peyton worked there, she uh, she would get tickets for family and stuff. She got my mom to go see Gary Allen for the first time. Uh, oh, nice. She took her little brother to see Parker when Parker sold it out, and then we've been both times that Co sold it out. They invited us to come hang out with them. So. Oh, yeah, dude. Pretty cool. Billy Bob's, for me... World's largest honky-tonk. It is, yeah. but the whole sitting down front thing... Yeah, the picnic tables seem yeah. like that. I mean, I was standing at a merch yeah. table the whole time, but it just the vibe is a little bit different than anything else. It is, but sometimes the artists have the op- the option to either do a pit show and take out all the tables, or they can do the tables. Yeah. So co's shows were a pit oh, show. Yeah, those. You can't put you tables can't, that people be standing. Well, on. I remember like we <laughs> had move. the table. We had the tables when we were there, yeah. and you know, I don't know. That's if, right, y'all played there. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we um. It was funny because, like, I was sitting there and I was at front of the house and there's a point of the set where, like, it's really down and at front of the house, like, you don't ever not have anything to do, but it's like I've taken care of all my stuff necessarily. Right. And, like, it was a breathing moment for me where yeah. I'm, like, chugging a bottle of water. And I looked and, like, some girl was, like, standing up singing the song and they're, like, security's like, get down, get down or get yeah. out. You right. know, like, yeah. it's yeah, just for that. Yeah. They want people to enjoy the experience. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say... I can't remember if this is right or not. I might have to look it up, but I think it's two acres underneath one roof. Yeah. Yeah, it's... it's there's 5,500 or 6,000 tickets. So I, have a funny, uh, I have a funny Snapchat of Gary, or an Instagram story of Gary at Billy Bob's. He's, like, out back after we loaded the trailer, and he, like, walked over to, like, the horse pen, and he's just, like, petting a horse. And yeah. I was, like, <laughs> I, like, zoomed in with, like, the heart thing. is like, just a man and his horse. Yeah, so, the, so there's a rodeo that goes on every weekend right next door. Yeah. Um, so... 
actually what's funny about this, when y'all played there, Peyton was there, and she FaceTimed me, and I got to say hi to Charlie and Gary. She was like, say hello, Pusky Don. I was on the road. Did you open up for us the next night? Uh, could have. Because we played Armadillo Palace inside. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you opened up for no, that No, I wasn't one. on that show. Okay. The only one I played with you guys was the outdoor one there. Okay, cool. But, uh, yeah, so I got to say hi to them when they played Billy Boss. It's like, congrats. You know, it's a big deal. World's largest honky-tonk. It's a world-renowned place. I think that was their second time playing it. Okay. Yeah, yeah cool. So that was really neat. I got to say hi to them. So that's pretty cool. And the, the comment, that's something I've noticed too. I mean, you say Billy Bob's the world, the world's largest honky tonk. Something interesting, and this is something I wanted to ask a Texas guy, which is why yeah. it's so cool that, to have you here. Um, the size of the venues in the Midwest compared to the rest of the country yeah. isn't like it, it feels like there's almost like a cap to it. Like like in say like Manhattan, Kansas, everybody plays the hat. Yeah, yeah. You know, 100%. but like even like Co, it, where he can do a place like the Bomb Factory, where there's five thousand yeah. people, he'll still be playing the hat. Right, yeah. You know, which is yeah. what's interesting because, like, every other market, right. the, the venues are bigger. But with Texas, it's either, like, the club scene or the stadiums. Or, yeah, or they're huge there's outdoor no, venues. There's no real in-between. Yeah, and there's there, there's not—I mean, there there's there's small venues, there's mid-sized, mid-sized venues, and then there's just big-ass outdoor venues. The one I was looking forward to playing with Co. we were supposed to play it, and it's got rescheduled now a couple times, is— uh, down in Holotes. Yeah. Floor, Floor's Floor. Country Store. Yeah, what's yeah. that place like? Amazing. You guys will love it. It is. Yeah. It's, Holotes is a little town outside of San Antonio, as you know, and it's hill country. Um, <coughs> excuse me. It's a hill country. It's an outdoor. Um, dude, it's where, I mean, George Strait, Gary Allen plays there all the time. It's where really the Texas guys, if you, to sell out floors outdoor is a really, really big deal. Um, yeah, sold out. Oh yeah, well yeah. Co, yeah. Co, yeah. Co, yeah. Dude, yeah, you guys yeah. are gonna love it. It's it's um, man, it's like an outdoor Texas version of Bomb Factory. You know what I mean? It's just this big stage with a Texas flag on the back end of it. Wildest thing you've seen while on the road with Co Wetzel oh. with the show. We're not talking about afterwards. Okay, hey, okay, I, what, yeah. what, I don't know what, if we can discuss what, those. What, what, what happens? Yeah, what, what, what you happens, could legally what, say on what, what happens on the road stays on the road. But like the crowd wise, what's the wildest thing you've seen out of a Co Wetzel crowd? Um. Two moments. One, so Co started creating his own music festival. It's called Co Wetzel's Incredible Music Festival. I've heard of this. <laughs> it is the wildest shit you've ever imagined in your life. So the first, it's, it's in Stephenville, correct? No, no, he he does them all over. The very first one was in my hometown of Lindale, Texas, and my cousin helped coordinate and help kind of get everything situated along with Co's manager Jeb. Um, so Lindale's five thousand people. They caused so much ruckus with the city because, and, but it was a great thing. Turned out, I love, I love where I'm from. I love the town. They raised way too much hell about it, in my opinion. They put on Co Wetzel's Incredible Music Festival. This stage, dude, was unbelievable. And it was on this little park area that we have downtown Lindell that used to be woods. Like I used to see like deer and hogs come out of this, yeah. out of these woods, right? Well, they mowed it all down, got this stage, this stage, he has got lasers and smoke. And it was like, you're in a spaceship. It was nuts. And 7,000 people more people than they're in the city of Lindell were on this one patch of land. People were complaining on the news. We can't even get into our own homes and we're being driven out of where we're living. And this is going to cause so much ruckus and 
our city and yada yada. So Coe takes that video clip of that guy in the news interview and plays it before he goes on stage. Wait, is this the place that he like said the F bomb or something? Oh, well, yeah, you know Coe. He's well, going to do his thing. He's going to say, and then people complain about it. So now they have a city ordinance against profanity. Yeah. And they'll never have that festival there again. But it was the greatest thing ever because when we, we, when we went on stage, that's our hometown. So there was, you know, I don't know, there was probably. I don't know, three to four thousand people out there, and we went on at five o'clock. That's a big show for you, especially yeah, back. That was a big and, show for us. Yeah, it was our biggest night. I think we did merch too, so that was a really cool deal at the time. And so it was just energy, man. It was just all these people packed on this one. And I'll find a picture of it and I'll show you guys. It was just the wildest. So it was Co. It was Parker and the guys that we both looked up to. It was a band back in Texas for a long time called JB and the Moonshine Band, and they were a big deal if you're from East Texas. They were the guys. Like back of that, that's what me and Co. listened to in high school and all that. And then it was us. It was all East Texas artists, pretty much, because Parker's from around Houston, so we kind of considered yeah. that, you know, East Texas as well. That was wild. And then the second time. Believe it or not, was at the second Co Wetzel's Incredible Music Festival, <laughs> and it was in Fort Worth, Texas, and it was about ten thousand people. And I just remember standing backstage, and left and right, it was Parker was standing there um, with his girlfriend Hallie, and then I was standing there with my fiance Peyton, and we were just talking. And people are getting pulled out of this by cops left and right. Just people fighting, people smoking dope, people, you know, all kinds of stuff, just pulling them out left and right. And then Co goes on and he starts off, um, he starts the set off with February 28th and people go. Oh, he started it off with the. He started it off with his big song. (laughs) Yeah, it's one of his, one of his biggest songs. And people just went ape shit. They had a blow up head, a big inflatable of Coe's face. And they had the, they, they had the, they had the Jesus van parked up there. They had a they guy. They had the Jesus van yeah, on stage. They had a guy walking around on stilts. Um, they had a mime that was walking around. Dude, it was crazy as hell. I'm telling you, it was absolutely insane. But, and, oh, they had a, they had a water slide and a Ferris wheel. I'm not making this shit up. No, I'm starting to remember everything they had. Like, they had a Ferris wheel and how a many, slide. How many years ago is this? This was just I mean, last year or two yeah. years ago, maybe. And 10,000 people just slip and slide. You know, Ferris wheel, mimes, uh, people. But that's what he wanted to create. He, that's You don't hear about that. How many times have y'all ever been to the festival and you've seen that? I've never been to, like... Outside of working, I've never really right. been to a festival. It sounds like a carnival mixed with a festival. Like it's it's exactly a, it's right. It's as much a community event as it is a music right. thing. It's exactly. He wants to give yeah. his people an experience, experience of more than just you guys on stage doing yeah. it. Like, because I still have people to this day when we travel and play Texas. They come up to us because, man, we saw you at Coe's Music Festival. Man, we saw you at Coe's Music Festival. That was the greatest time ever. Hey, yeah, where'd you see us at? Coe's Music Festival. You know what I mean? He brought so many people together, and it helps out the artists, the smaller artists like myself, because we got so much notoriety from it and people taking pictures. And, and he connects his fan base, and that's something we, we get to experience with Muscadine and stuff, but also with Muscadine with Co. does a good job yeah, with, of it with, as well. With the, with the vines and like right. the, the diehards. Coe's got diehards. And especially in Texas. And there's people that probably came in from all over the country at this point. If it's it's as recent as a year or two ago for that festival. And and Colby does the same thing. Colby's got diehard fans. I love, like, I just love Coe's Twitter late at night. Oh, it's great. Oh, yeah. Are you a big Twitter guy? I'm a big Twitter guy. I love Twitter. Oh, here we go. So, Boudreaux, Boudreaux, we haven't done this segment in a long time. We haven't had people that are big Twitter people recently, so... 
Here we go. This is the fun. This is my segment that so he, I love. So he, I don't know, really know how to use Twitter. I have one. It's the, the profile picture is me um, with a with like a like a like an old man like hat on or something. But I've never I never really use it. Tyler's gonna automatically just go deep into yeah, Twitter. Tyler, Tyler's got a couple of um, couple of Twitter troll accounts that he uses where he'll go yeah. on and pick fights with Big Ten football fans and love Ohio people, State fans. People people that love think them. people that think the cover me up was originally a Morgan Wallen song, not a Jason Isbell song. Boudreaux goes right, after and creates right. the pot. Savage. Yeah, so he like he likes to troll people and he gets into it. So I think he's gonna find some funny tweets. Are you a funny Twitter guy or do you use it mostly for music? Funny. Funny? Yeah. Okay. And, and music. I like to be funny. I like to say what I think and see what it does. Yeah, you're pretty you're a pretty opinionated guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can keep talking for a minute. I'm I'm deep in here. <laughs> so he's deep we got in. a minute. Yeah, man. So, so what was this? I'm right around the album release time, so there's a lot of retweeting going on right <laughs> now. Oh, there's a ton of retweets. Yeah. Yeah. How, how how would you say your fan base has been, and how has it grown since the since the record? It's been really good. The coolest thing is, is I've been growing fans that aren't from Texas, and that's what's cool. That's the key to that's, get, the, key. that's the key to what you're trying to do. Right. And 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 the coolest thing is, you know. Texas music, they like Texas music. They like Randy Rogers. They like the Donahues. They like the Josh Abbotts, the Coes, the Kobe's. Oh, trust me, as, as a merch guy, for somebody who's not from Texas, who plays in Texas a lot, right. I hear all about that. Yeah. Why aren't y'all from Texas? Right. Yeah, it's, and, yeah. you know, it's like, dude, we're, you know, and that's, it's totally, I, I'm so blessed to be able to part of that scene because it's, it is separate from Nashville. It's separate from the United States and the world. Yeah. It's its own thing. And it's really cool to be able to, especially to get your, your feet planted and your roots started. And before you decide if you want to grow somewhere else or if you want to make a different move, you can. And that's the beauty of it is we have the freedom to do that. And it's just one of those things that it's, it's really cool to be able with this new record, it's getting fans that aren't diehard Texas fans because let me tell you something, whether they, whether they're going to say it or not, Texas people like what they like and they try not to, they usually don't stray from that, but I can guarantee you the same people that listen to Co Wetzel also bump Luke Combs. Yeah. They also bump Morgan Wallet. There ain't nobody in Texas that don't sing along to whiskey glasses. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I got Texas fans to kind of accept five beers because it's a commercial sounding song. Yeah. Where do you see yourself in five beers? Oh, they're like, this is awesome. You know, so they're they're It's great because I feel like Texas is being a little bit more open minded to songs like that. There's Texas people that love Muscadine. I mean, I played with yeah. you guys in Houston. There's four, six hundred people there that love Muscadine. Yeah. There's people like all kinds of things for all over the world. And it doesn't have to be one genre. Where's the, Honestly, yeah. I'll say this. If it wasn't for somebody in Texas. Is like a muscadine. I wouldn't be dating the girl I am now. There you go. Because she had a friend that said, That's "Hey, that said, hey, you should listen to muscadine." And then she bought a ticket and then found me on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> because Charlie put me on blast for sleeping in the front of the van. <laughs> and next thing you know, like. Yeah, we started talking. Look at Charlie being yeah. a wingman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, oh, man, Chuck, yeah. Old, old Chuck the kid and oh, stuff. Chuck. How'd you, how'd you first get to know those guys? Okay, let me think. Let me think. I had to go back a little bit because they're in that tree of. I, I like, and again, I know we're talking a lot about Co in this, and we, yeah, we yeah. all love Co. It's kind of kind of like a little kind of like a little trio most of like people like because I you've known Co for a while. Yeah. They they got they they're obviously tight with Co as well. Yeah. Um, man, I want to say, and I could be wrong, and I don't I don't remember, but I want to say the first time I met those guys. Well, I found their music just from social media and stuff like that, and I think through Co and them, they started listening to their stuff. Um, I think the first time I met them personally was in 
San Marcos, Texas. I think this was before you were on with them. Um, before I was on. Yeah, and before you were yeah, on. Yeah. Um, uh, we played, it was, uh, Co was doing an outdoor show, and then it was Muscadine, and then us. I think we opened, and then another band. And um, that was where I met Gary and Charlie for the first time. We took a picture and hung out, introduced them to Peyton, our fiance, and everything. And we just kind of kept in contact through, like, social media and stuff like that, and I really liked their music. I've always liked their music. So and then... Um, where they, I talked to them, they're like, do we need to get you on some shows sometime? And they've always talked about kind of getting me out to the southeast and stuff, and hopefully we'll be able to do that when everything yeah, opens back so. up. Um, so that's kind of how I met those guys, kept in contact with them. You know, like I said, hanging out at shows, giving them hats and stuff like that. And I would send Charlie some songs every once in a while. Hey, what do you think of this? And yada, yada. And we conversate back and forth. And they're just great people. They're just good guys. And that's what we like. Yeah. You know? where, where's the spot in the country you want to go and play that you haven't gotten to play yet? Because I know you've been, if you've been to New York with Co, you've been all over the place. I want to play Red Rocks in Colorado. Yeah. Red Rock Amphitheater. Man, I was that's... supposed to go to Red Rocks for the first time this year. Yeah. So my biggest artist that I just fanboy over a lot is Jason Iswell. Oh, yeah. Like, that's kind yeah, of me. He's fantastic, man. Kind of me is, like, the pinnacle of artist yeah. right now. But I was supposed to go out and uh, see him at Red Rocks with my girl and... Like, that was August 1st. Oh, so. dude, I heard it's amazing. I heard yeah. it's incredible. Yeah, yeah so dude. that's, that's a goal. Be, yeah, yeah, man. And, uh, and I mean, Red Rocks, that's that's a big that's a big time venue. Yeah. And that's, uh, that, I mean, that's one that I've I've seen even on the New yeah. York side of things and stuff. But, like, I think the Southeast would really yeah. bump your shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude. I think you, you go into Birmingham, Alabama. You go into Georgia. You go into yeah. Georgia Theater. So that's another thing. Buckhead. We got to open for Co. at um, uh, uh, Starkville, Mississippi. Rick's Cafe. Rick's, dude. Rick Rick is an awesome guy. I love that show. You talk about a haggard, like, country place. Yeah. That place is a good time. Oh, dude. I I love Mississippi. Oh, you know about that. I love me some Mississippi. We've had good times out there. That was one of of my favorite shows playing that show. Everybody was just live. And it was small. And it was, you know, it was intimate, you know, in a sense. And it was just, it was... It was rocking your face for an hour. Where was the first place you played outside of Texas? Or outside of Texas and Oklahoma? And I guess Arkansas, because the red dirt scene is Texas. First time I played outside of Texas. Well, first time I really went on an actual, like, run. Like a legit three or four day run. Like you and the boys are gone. Yeah, like, see you you later. Was was on that run in New York with Co. And then we went to to Ohio. And we played two shows in Ohio. And then we played, uh, I want to say we did Cincinnati and Cleveland. And then we did New York City and Washington, D.C. And I was on top of the world. Wow. It was awesome, dude. I'm like, dude, I'm doing this. Like, I'm I'm in a van, you know, and I'm with the dudes you know of the scene and um that and then another cool experience for me may not have been the first but when whiskey myers took us out yeah for a weekend what uh, i've heard so many stories about whiskey myers and i haven't had a chance to meet those guys i don't think you have either but gary and charlie have done with the muscadine guys they i know they've done some runs with them and stuff yeah what are the what's what's that show like what's what's going and you, you have to realize that when I was talking about JB and those guys, for me personally, when Firewater, their record came out, I was oh, I was in high school. Game, me too. That was a game changer. Ballad of a Southern Man, all those songs. Whiskey Myers was from 40 minutes south of us, Palestine area, um, which is also where Colby Cooper's from. And so Whiskey Myers was really, honestly, for me, the first band that I listened to that was like, these dudes are from a small town like me, and they're doing what they want, and they're making it. And... It was just something about that Southern, I'm a big Southern rock guy. So big, 
they're just they're one of they're my top five favorite bands of all time probably and so when we got you know a couple we got a run with them it was like unbelievable we we did lincoln nebraska with them it was sold out we still talk about the show i have the poster in my in my at my house it was whiskey buyers with chris colson that was a big deal you know for me to get to open with these guys that you listen to growing up and the ones that really gave you the drive to play music so they're awesome guys and from what I hear, their live show is just incredible. I was supposed to see them at the Stone Pony in Asbury Park, New Jersey, yeah. like a few years back. I didn't, I wasn't able to make it to the show. You've got to see. But them. I've heard, how many guys are in that band? There's a lot of dudes on stage. Oh, uh, let's see. So you had uh, Cody, John Jeffers, um, Cody Tate. So that's three across the front. Bass player and two drummers with Tony Kent. Uh, so yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six. I want to say six or seven. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, and they they just give it all. Some of the most incredible musicians that that you've ever that you've ever seen JD's what was on your, drums. Did you get to know him at all? Like what was the experience yeah, like? The, the coolest thing was is the last night of the run, they uh Tony Kent, uh who plays he's kinda have you seen he's next to the, the big drum kit and he plays um another smaller kit and does yeah. like the cowbell routine yeah, out yeah. on stage and stuff like that. Um like a badass hype dude for the band, like really gets everybody fired up. And uh, Tony was like, hey, grab your boys. We're going to grab some beers on the bus the last night of the run. He brought us on the bus. Their merch guy, Wes, gave us all kinds of Whiskey Myers merch, and we got to sit there and hang out with him for 20 or 30 minutes. They're like, and Cody was like, we'll do it again, man. Thank you guys for being here. They just, they didn't have to do that. They didn't yeah. have to invite us on the bus. They didn't have to be so kind, you know, but they were. They East Texas dudes, man, and... It was a really cool experience for me because, you know, you got to meet some of your heroes, play a run with them, and do the damn thing. And it was really neat. It was a really cool experience, and, and I hope we get to play more shows with them. And, and uh, they'll always be one of my favorite bands, whether we don't, whether we do or we don't. So Hell yeah, man. Well, this this is, did you find I one? I got Twitter. You finally we, found we found one. some Twitters. You retweet a lot of your fans, don't you? Yeah, he does. You do a lot of, you well, show a lot of love to the community. I do. Yeah. I, I do it, too, you know, obviously to, you know, to get the name out there as well, yeah, right. and it's the yeah. and it's the interaction showing right. building that relationship with the fans, right? So you've done some digging over here. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of scared. I still didn't get out of 2020, so don't be too scared. <laughs> okay, okay, I didn't go back to the 2016. Oh lord, yeah, we didn't go back there. So but I need to clean this up, is what you're saying? No, 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 no. <laughs> you're good. So first one I want to talk about is when I get bored, I visit the pantry. Yeah. What do you get? What's your pantry go to? What's your favorite pop tart? So funny. I actually remember this. Was this during quarantine time? Yes. Had to have been. 518, May yeah. 18th. Oh, yeah. I was. We're dead in the middle of it. When I get, when I get bored, dude, I, I have this thing, you know, like I get bored and I'm at the house all day. I want to eat. Yeah. I just like to eat. I like food. Um, I don't know. I go for snacks, man. Big Pop-Tart guy. What's your favorite? So my favorite Pop-Tart, was it Wildberry Blast? Okay, oh, the one, the yeah. one, the purple one with, with yeah, the turquoise yeah, yeah, squiggles. Yeah, yeah. Oh, come on, dude! That's 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 a go-to. A big, right. big chips and salsa guy too. Okay, what's your favorite salsa? Julio's. Okay. Mild. What's your favorite chips? Julio's. Okay. Julio's chips as well. So I'm a big. Uh, I forget the name brand, but it's like the Cantinas. The Mission. Yeah, Mission's mission. good. Mission's yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. All yeah, right. Be, being from New York, we just got Tostitos. Like we're very. There you go. That's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah. All right, so five twenty twenty. It's a new tattoo day. What'd you get? Yeah, May twentieth. 
How many tattoos do you got? I have three. I've got, so I got a guitar. This was my first that, one. That guitar tattoo is sick. That's an yeah. ep- Epiphone. Now, is that your guitar? Yes, this is mine. This is a 1951 Epiphone. So it was before Gibson owned them. So yeah. it's a real vintage guitar. Um, May of 2020. Yeah. So this was, oh, yeah. That was probably the bear that I have on my chest. Ooh. Um, have you guys seen that? No. Yeah. Oh. Well, I know the viewers won't get to see it, but <laughs> I'll show you guys above my nipple here. <laughs> Whoa. I do remember seeing this, actually. Yeah, so it's it's in the Five Beers music video if people want to see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember seeing that and being like, dang, that's like a a cool bear. So my stepdad raised me since I was uh, two, and he's uh, got Native American Indian in him, so we always had this bear symbol around our house growing up. So the bear represents uh, courage and everything you face in life. So I put the bear, his symbol, he always had a necklace. It was in the living room, so I kind of, you know, Kind of a tribute to him. So all my tattoos mean something. Then I've got an arrowhead right here because as a kid, we would hunt arrowheads together, stuff like that. So, yeah. Okay, so this is a a response to a tweet, okay? So Yee Yee Apparel said, what song do y'all have on repeat right now? And you replied with, we dance to one song, one song only. Lady Humps by the Black Eyed Peas. My Humps, Black Eyed Peas. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that was just a funny moment, just trying to, you, you, you know. You, you a big Will Ferrell guy? Yes, 100%. What's your favorite Will Ferrell movie? Because this is where we might have a disagreement. Uh, you know, Step Brothers is great. Big Talladega Nights fan. I like yeah. Talladega Nights. I think that's probably one of my favorites. But honestly, you've kind of put me on the spot. I'm sure I could think of some more. Been in so many. He's been in so many. He's just funny. He's just so funny to me. Old school, he's pretty good. Old into. school's a good one. And his cameo in Wedding Crashers, yeah, where Wedding he's like, Crashers. nah, the meatloaf, we need it now. Yeah, also, yeah, his yeah. Uh, role in, um, God, they just made the remake of it, or the second of it, uh, Zoolander. Oh, him, him, as, Mug- him as Mugato. Yeah. And yeah, 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 yeah. he's like a fashion designer that's yeah, like yeah. running Malaysian like slave shops, and he's crazy. <laughs> he's got this little dog. He's, he's got this little dog, and he's it's like, like kind of like the evil, evil yeah, one. The, the yeah. other guys. Yeah, the other guys. Gator don't play no shit. Gator don't play no shit. Best and Jimmy's. He said, I ran a dating service. He was a pimp. I was a pimp. <laughs> All right, last one. May or may not be making an appearance in a full-blown hazmat suit on Casey Donahue's live feed drinking Corona. Tune in. Yep. Did that happen? That actually happened. Where'd you get the hazmat suit? It's not, so it wasn't a real hazmat suit. I went to okay. like Home Depot and bought one of those painter suits, you know, that had like the, <laughs> like had the hood on yeah, it, you yeah. know? Um, yeah, so that was when Corona, the virus, you know, whatever, and the, it was a pinnacle of everybody running out of toilet paper. And, you know, I remember all that crap. We and actually so, don't. We actually went to Delaware and... Oh, really? We made, we made it out okay, but oh, yes. Matt's, dude. Matt's but yeah. uh, stepdad is, uh, is like, he works... With China, we, we had, we had, yeah. A, we had, yeah. So he was, he was getting in product. So he saw the thing start in China, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Oh shit, it might come over here." And he had people, he had his employees in China sending him over shit from China, oh, like yeah. in December. So we yeah. were stocked, like oh, ready so yeah, to go. Good. But, yeah. but I get what you're saying with yeah. the with the running out of so stuff. It, it was crazy time. So Casey started doing Casey Donahue started doing one of these, uh, like he called us the, the Corona Happy Hour, and it was just a it's a live stream that he would play hour hour fifteen minutes and he'd play all of his songs really professionally done he'd have guests on it every now and then so I'm really really good friends with Casey um I met him he tweeted me one day heard one of my songs and we just he put me on some shows a built relationship um he's another guy that'll be in the wedding and uh basically he just asked me to come do it and we wanted it fun you know so um his wife Melinda had like um 
you know, some hazmat gloves on. And there was a, there was a scenery in the back. There was a white-tailed deer. They had stuff with a mask over his face. And then they had the toilet paper and then the Corona beer. Anyway, so I came out and did a song, and I was in this full suit playing guitar. That's or great. Did, did a couple songs. Speaking of which, guitars, you play an Epiphone. I've always noticed that. A lot of the guys, you know, they're like – a lot of the Texas guys that right. I've seen are playing like Gibsons and right. stuff like that. What drove you to Epiphone? I'm just different. Uh, I like to be different. Um, I I don't know. You know, I'm not really. Well, I haven't played any like the Master Built series or Epiphones. And I'm well, not, I, have like, a, I have a Master Built Texan actually upstairs. That's what this is. This yeah. is a, this is an old Texan. Yeah, I have one that I just bought really? during quarantine. They oh, just okay. released I'm gonna them. To, I'm gonna have to get on that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, well, I'll bring it down in a minute. One of those things. It's just one of those things, like, I want to be different, and this guitar was the guitar that my stepdad took me to a little shop in East Texas, and he, it was my first, it was pretty much my first guitar, and it sounds so good plugged in. I get so many compliments. Uh, I put, I put some, I put some, uh, what do you call it, pickup in it and everything, and it just cuts through the mix so well. So, fun fact, the reason I bought the Texan, A, I've played some vintage Texans, like some, the early ones, and they're great sounding guitars, all of them are, but... Like some of the famous people that played them, like the Beatles, yeah. played Texans, yes, because they were known so well for like their balance and, and stuff. And they're rare, yeah, they're, they're very rare. And mine, mine the being... one that I found here in Nashville that I've played is at a guitar. It was at Guitar Center for a while, mm-hmm. but they were asking like forty five hundred dollars yeah. for it, and like it looked like you were just taking it behind a car and dragged yeah. it down the street. Right. Well, and the thing for me too is, is it's an investment. Anything old that's worth money is going to go up in value. So I bought mine for like $2,600 and it's worth over five grand now. Are you a big antique guy? Are you guys going to yard sales and buying old shit because you're going to clean it up, make it worth a lot? My mother owned two antique shops okay, growing up. Ad makes there, total, there it is. Yeah. It makes, there total, it is. Yeah. Makes, makes total sense. Yeah. Makes, that's that, awesome. Though, but she, well, she had, an, she, she had one antique shop and she had booths everywhere else. So yeah, um, dude. anything old and vintage is usually just made better. It is. So that's, there's no really, yeah. I mean, old pickup trucks. I mean, look at them. There's no computer in them. So all you got to do is fix what's wrong. They'll keep running. You know? I mean, I'm looking for a truck right now and I'm looking 95 back. That's great. Yeah. yeah nothing wrong with that. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Now, one thing I, I wanted to bring up too, I mean, thanks again for doing this. Absolutely. Obviously. Miami. Playing, playing Trump National with our good buddies Cameron Marlowe yeah. and uh, and and Mr. Whale Tail Media himself, Whale right. Tony. What was that like? How'd you end up down there? And so, uh, long story short, my banker um, back in East Texas, his name is Justin Armstrong. He owns a bank. Uh, I'm going to do a plug here, if that's you okay do. with yeah, you guys. Fine, yeah, uh, it's called U Bank, and it's a bank established. Um, in East Texas area, Lufkin and Tyler, and but they have branches and they're growing. Uh, they're they're going down south as well towards the Beaumont area. He's growing like crazy, and he's my banker. He's actually he gave me the loan uh, to record the uh, Bombs Away album that we've been talking about. Hell yeah! So basically, he created this thing, and he's he wants to he wants to the banking world to go with musicians and connect with younger people because what do young people do when you think of a bank what do you think you think suit and tie very going in asking for a loan and you're terrified you know because these people are just so you know they're just they're suit and tied up and they're very business and 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 justin and them they're very very business-like people but you can walk in and find justin wearing crocs and everybody you look around and everybody's our age you know, he's trying to make the banking world cool for young people, but he also wants to connect it to music. And so basically what it is is he put together this trip from Miami, um, him and the other uh, owner of the bank, uh, Shanna, and 
they wanted to put together a trip, get to know my management company, AMG, like Cameron Marlowe and, and, uh, and Peyton Smith. And, uh, he wanted to put together a trip where he could get to know my manager, Rob. They could talk some business, but we'd also have a good time and we could have an experience like no other banking experience has ever been. So he took us deep sea fishing and whales came down and shot pictures and everything. And we got to play at Trump's golf course yeah, wh- at Doral. What was that like? Because I've, I've, um, I've dabbled on some Trump courses in like New Jersey and New York, but I hear Doral is a whole nother unreal. Ball game. He was absolutely a good golfer. I'd like to think I'm a good golfer. I, you know, I'm not, you know, I'll shoot high 80s, 90s. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not a professional white, golfer. White, white, white tees or black tees? I play white tees. What about whites and blues? It's not black as blues. Well, right. there, were, there were black tees for a There's some court, I, I'm, they're different. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah um, Blue tips are professional. Well, I also just picked up golf, though, during quarantine, so I just started. Uh, that's how, that's... So that's, I love it, but I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in on golf. So I actually just started walking, working at a golf course, yeah. like, this past week, yeah. and me and Matt actually this week played our, my, my first round ever. Lost yeah. a lot of balls. Was not good. <laughs> uh, I lose balls. What course is it? Uh, Cheekwood down in Franklin. Nice. Um, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of courses here, and, dude, it's... Super affordable here. Like oh, you, yeah. can, you can, you can like go and play eighteen holes for like twenty five bucks here. Like it's it's nothing uh, with right. a cart. So um, if like what we'll have to do, we'll we'll definitely have to get out on the links next time you're back here in town. Because absolutely, Charlie Moncaster, he has been bitten and is well, he got bit first. And then he's now biting back at golf because he yeah. got bit by a ball. First. Yeah, he got. Yeah, he took. He took a. He took a golf ball. Saw to, that. He, yeah, he took a golf ball to the face. What are the chances? First hole. Gets drilled. We were, he was on a cart too. He was moving. Yeah, uh, the cart was moving, and it found the little thing between the the screen and the like the little gap, and the ball sucks, went man. through a, a drive. Like yeah. somebody hit off the tee and shanked yeah. it that much. I Boom. commented on his Instagram. I said, "I'm very proud of you for keeping your eye on the ball, though." Yeah, <laughs> I saw that. I, saw, I think I like that comment. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah, man. Well, well, bro, do you want to play a song for us, dude? I'll play. You cool you. Doing yeah, that? I'll play I'm, gonna, I'm gonna play you guys a song, and I gotta get to the airport, and get back to Texas pretty soon. So. Damn, that's right. Yeah. Wow, we went. On, we went no, it's great, dude. It's I've enjoyed it, and I'm so glad I got to do this with you guys. And I haven't seen you guys since I've been on the road, so you guys got something really cool going on here, man. I appreciate We appreciate that, bro. Where can people go to find you real quick? Man, you can go to Spotify, Chris Colston. You can find me on Facebook, uh, Chris Colston. Chris Colston everything. Twitter, (laughs) um, hit me up, send me a message, or or share a song, listen to the music on Spotify, do whatever you want, man. Hope you like it, and... If you don't, well, then you don't. If you do, you do. So, <laughs> Hell yeah, absolutely. Now, while Chris grabs that guitar, want to let you guys know again, want to tell you about our friends over at Trailside CBD Emporium. Our boy Andrew and his team, they will meet all your CBD, hemp, and Delta 8 THC needs from oils and gummies to carts and flour. They have you covered. The carts are in stock. The bud is currently on back order, and the edibles are just, well, they're flat out dangerous. You all go check them out at trailsidecbd.com. Use our promo code ITR for 20% off your purchase. Also, check out our visual graphic creative sponsor somebody that chris knows very well our friends over at whale tail media it is whale-tail.com they do a lot here in the music world in nashville but they also do weddings they do a lot of corporate things make sure you jump on check out our friends at whale tail media now that further ado it's some music from our boy chris colson y'all been listening to in the round So I thought I'd take a shot and walk on 
Self and fire. 